Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing the Lagan Valley area filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Today's teachings text is taken from Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 to 25. Come, Holy Spirit. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing the nets. And Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and left their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness among the people. And news about him spread over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those who, suffering, those who were suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Good morning. You're so welcome. If we haven't met, my name's Andy. I'm part of the team here. If this is your first time with us for the past seven weeks, we have been reflecting deeply about what kind of community we want to become here at Lagan Valley Vineyard and what specifically are we trying to measure in that process. And we've been using this paragraph as a bit of a guide. Andy, can we throw this up? That this really is what we are trying to do together. We're trying to surrender our entire lives to the rule and the reign of Jesus and to learn from him how to demonstrate that rule and reign in our lives and our communities for the flourishing of everyone. We understand here that Christianity and the Christian life is all about Jesus and surrendering everything we have to him. It's really important that you understand that we're not trying to invite Jesus into just part of our lives. We're responding to his invitation to lose our entire lives in his If you've been around church any length of time in Northern Ireland, you'll have heard that this whole thing sounds something like, you know, we have to ask Jesus into our heart. And the funny thing about that is you'll not find that anywhere in the Bible. And the danger of things like that kind of statement is it it kind of sounds like we're supposed to invite Jesus to come in and be part of our lives alongside everything else. You know, that Jesus would live in our hearts alongside our passion for Liverpool or chocolate or even something like Dairy Girls or whatever your, you know, favorite TV show of choice is. And of course, that's nonsense, that the gospel and the Christian life makes no sense if Jesus is supposed to just occupy space alongside lots of other things. Rather, actually, that the gospel calls us to recognize Jesus as Lord. And there's this old Sunday school expression that says he's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. I know that's a little bit cheesy, but it's absolutely true, that we haven't understood what this whole thing is about until we get that actually the point is that we surrender everything, not just a part but absolutely everything. I've been kind of working through this paragraph over the past seven weeks, teaching into the different parts of it, and then we've actually tried to measure what we're talking about. 
And uh, we've sent you emails every single week with a little survey in them, and lots of you have responded to that, and that's been really, really helpful. Week one, we talked about this whole idea of submission or surrender to Jesus, and we had an incredible time last Sunday night baptizing five people in our community. And like Stu said earlier, next Sunday night we'll gather again, baptize another 10, and then I think there's another five or 10 or so um, that will be uh, in Murloc Bay in the middle of May, which, you know, um, the water wasn't that warm last Sunday night, but it was warmer than it's going to be in May. Um, The second week, Stu taught on our devotion to Jesus. How engaged are we in the Bible and in our prayers during the week and outside of moments uh, like this? On St. Patrick's Day, we talked about sharing our faith and praying for our friends and our family. A few weeks ago, we talked about generosity, reflected on the truth that we are most like God when we're being generous. And then Stu and Emma did a brilliant job a few weeks ago unpacking vocational clarity, the reality that in our adult life, if we're around church or you attend church normally, that between the ages of about 25 and 65, you'll spend about 2,600 hours in and around church or church activities, um, but closer to 96,000 hours in your place of work. And we're way more interested, if we're honest, about what's happening in the 96,000 than we are the 2,600 That there is an invitation from God to join in in what he is already doing in the place where you spend 96,000 hours. And are you aware of what that is? had a brilliant email from a lady in our community who's retired after that. And she said, well, I'm retired, so I'm not really sure what vocational clarity looks like in retirement. But I bake a mean wheat and bread. And so I've decided to make five wheat and breads and deliver them to my neighbors and ask if I can have opportunities to pray for them. And so she did that last week and I think got everything from don't really like wheat and bread to, uh, <laughs> to sure, I'd love you to, love you to pray for me. That was a brilliant story. Um, last week we talked about relational health, that if we're going to actually learn how to do this, then we have to learn from God how to live in healthy vibrant, flourishing relationships. So that's what God wants for us. And then finally, this morning, I want to talk about the supernatural. Now, just before we jump in, can I remind you, if you've missed a week, today you're going to have all of the surveys of the past seven weeks in your inbox. They only take a couple of minutes each. So if you've missed any over the past seven weeks, can I really encourage you today to go in there and click on them all and just work through them. It's really helpful. The whole point of this is that we would actually get somewhat of an accurate picture what's really going on among us and where are we so that we can respond and prioritize moving forward, okay? So uh, it's just going to be really, really helpful if you can fill in as many of those as you possibly can. And please don't forget the commitments that we made together at the beginning of this journey. We committed together seven weeks ago that we were going to be really honest and of course, this process is completely pointless if we're not honest. If, and they're anonymous surveys, I should make that clear. We don't need your names. We don't need your addresses. We don't need your details. We just want your honesty, okay? And then the other thing we committed to was to be gentle with ourselves. The point of this isn't that we discover how bad we're doing and then feel terrible about ourselves. It's that we get an accurate picture so that we can respond and prioritize moving forward. So let's jump in in the time we have left. I wonder what you think about when you hear the word supernatural. I wonder what that kind of evokes or provokes in you, or if I told you before you arrived that this morning we're going to spend 30 minutes talking about the supernatural. I wonder how many of you have thought, I would come to church to talk about aliens. Wow. Never heard a sermon on aliens before. We have a really good friend and um, not necessarily a person of faith. And I remember the first time we met 
and he found out that I did this job, he said, I've always wanted to meet a minister. And I went, I've never met someone who said that before. And then he said, what do you think about aliens? And I said, I, I don't really think about aliens. And um, he said, I think about aliens all the time. <laughs> and it was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to um, let any of you down. I hope you don't find this disappointing. I'm not really going to talk about aliens this morning. Um, I know, sorry. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm happy to have a coffee after we're done and discuss aliens with you if you want. Um, but we're not going to talk about aliens this morning. Um, we're not really going to talk about ghosts either or uh, paranormal phenomenon. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the scriptures. And the scriptures are saturated with the supernatural. It is impossible. It is impossible to be a Christian and not be engaged in the supernatural. It's impossible. You're denying so much of what actually God has in his heart and his mind for us if you do. And uh, if you take the New Testament in any way seriously, you have to do some unbelievable theological gymnastics to try and write out the supernatural activity and presence of God if we're going to actually use the New Testament as some sort of authority in our lives. When it comes to this topic in churches, typically I notice two common errors one is the overemphasis of the supernatural, and one is the underemphasis of it. It's hard to kind of find a, a radical middle, you know. I wonder if any of you ever met the kind of Christians where, like, everything is supernatural, and particularly bad things, like everything is a demon, or everything is, like, spiritual attack. Have you ever met people like that, you know, where, like, something terrible goes on? Or these types of people say this kind of thing all the time, I'm just under serious attack right now. I'm like... That might be true. Maybe you're just making bad choices. Like sometimes the mess in our lives is a result of the absence of wisdom in our lives. And we can hide by spiritualizing that where our relationships are falling apart or things aren't really working and we're like, my goodness me, like this is just terrible. And it must be, it must be the devil. The devil's really getting at me. And sometimes we actually create a bit of a theology around comfort in hard times, you know, where like things are going really bad, everything's falling apart, and then you get the, you must be doing something right. You must be doing something right. You're like, maybe you're doing something wrong. Like, maybe, you know, maybe the relationships that keep not working aren't because you're doing something right, but you should actually examine how you're going about relationships, Maybe. You know, sometimes we can have this tendency to overemphasize the supernatural and we downplay the natural created order. And we need to understand this, that God actually created the world with some natural laws. Any of you have like really spiritual friends who wake up at four in the morning to pray for an hour? No? Anybody? A couple of you? Maybe? Nobody? Nobody in this community anyway. <laughs> Is that encouraging or discouraging? I always find it funny, you know, sometimes we read about these people and we think, what a, what a hero, what a giant of the faith. They get up in the middle of the night and they pray for hours. And there's an element of that, and I've been there before, but the reality is God created us with a need for sleep and rest. Like he actually created us to need rest, and sometimes we can overemphasize the spiritual and underemphasize the natural order and how God created things, but to be honest, like in this community anyway, and uh, most of uh, 
most people that I engage with, that's not really what they're doing. Most people actually um, have the other side of the coin. They underemphasize the supernatural or they deny its reality or its presence. If I can't engage it with my senses, then I will not believe it. If I don't understand it, then it's not real. Faith is for simple people and those that aren't that enlightened or intelligent. Like I said earlier, it is impossible to believe the Bible and disregard the supernatural. If you were here last week, you'll have heard me say that God doesn't want to use us. And maybe you've prayed prayers like that or you've heard people talk about things like that, you know, where we just want to find out where God wants to use us or, you know, we just, God, would you just use me? And the reality is that God will refuse because he will never treat you the way the world around you does as some commodity to be put to work for their gain or agenda. God has a completely different posture where he invites us to partner with him and being used by God Partnering with God are two very different things. And he longs to partner with us. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works he prepared in advance for us to do. The truth is that God created you for ministry. That doesn't mean created you to work for a church. Turn to everybody and say, thank God. <laughs> he, created, he created you with purpose. I wonder, do you know what that is? I wonder how engaged you are in that thing. We are his people, and he longs not to use us, but rather to partner with us. The reality is the supernatural can make some of us uncomfortable. None of us like to feel like we're engaging in things that are way bigger than us or that we're not necessarily in control of often, especially church leaders. But when we're really uncomfortable with the supernatural, often what happens is we reduce ministry and the mission of God to sermons and Bible study, and we have no expectation at all that God would actually move in an undeniably God-like way in and through our lives. And we settle for what the Apostle Paul describes as a form of godliness that lacks its power. A form of godliness that lacks his power. You see, the reality is that we are supposed to partner with the power of God in our lives. We are supposed to partner with the power of God in our lives. Not for selfish gain, but to supply and restore hope and life to broken lives and communities. And that requires the supernatural presence and power of God. I want to just uh, say three things quickly about the supernatural and then unpack a little bit of it from the scriptures and then we'll pray for each other, okay? Uh, First thing I want to say about the supernatural this morning is this, and this is so simple but so important. The supernatural activity of God is available. It's available. It's not something that we have to kind of twist God's arm for. It's not reserved for you whenever you get to some kind of pious, saintly kind of status in your morality. The supernatural power and presence of God is available. It's available. The first miracle we saw in this community was profound. 
It's about seven years ago. And a mum brought her seven-year-old son up to the front of our little venue in Hazem's Lane, uh, right in the center of town, and asked somebody there, would you pray for my son? He's got really bad eyesight. And I don't mean like just like a little bit bad. Like uh, the way the mum would have described it is that when he had his glasses off, he couldn't see his hands in front of his face. Just a blur, right? And so they grabbed this person and said, hey, can, can you pray for them? And, and actually this person said, well, no, but I'll get my son too. And he was about 10 at the time, right? So this 10-year-old comes and prays for this 7-year-old. And then typical Sunday, they go home and actually go to the dad's, uh, dad's house, grandparents' house for lunch, Sunday lunch. And they have Sunday lunch, and then the kids all go out to play after lunch. And the mum goes out to call the kids in after lunch, and she notices that her son is playing football with no glasses on. Now, remember, like, he can't see hands in front of his face. And she's watching him playing football with no glasses on. And she calls him over and says, why have you got your glasses off? And he looks back and says, God's healed my eyes. Seven years old. God's healed my eyes. And what's really funny, I think, is she did what most of us would do as parents, went, put your glasses back on. (laughs) Sends him to school the next day. He refuses to wear his glasses in school. And um, whatever we are, seven years later, he's never wore glasses since. Never wore glasses since. Absolutely amazing. Um, Just this morning, um, we had a three-year-old here who last week showed up to church, um, bless her, in a like hip-to-toe cast, right? She's broken her leg. And... um, about a week before that, she broke her leg. They show up. I'm chatting to the parents in the foyer. What on earth happened? She fell. She broke her leg. And um, th- she was here last Sunday. One of our five-year-olds in Little Party prayed for her. And uh, the three-year-old shows up to church this morning with no cast. And I'm like, what happened there? She went to get a check last Monday. And the doctors say, we can't find a fracture. There's, there's no fracture in this child anymore. Uh, somebody else grabbed me just before we started. Isabel is over here. Isabel's had chronic problems with her eyes, and uh, left eye needed an injection. Right eye had a tear, and it was going to need surgery. Went to get the injection for the left eye. Said, what about the right eye? They looked at the scans. We're like, there's no, we can't find a tear in your eye anymore after friends have been praying for her eye. The supernatural is available it is available to us. And what I love about some of these stories is, particularly when you talk to people um, who have no faith or struggle with faith, is um, often there are lots of other potential ways we could maybe explain these things. And you know, the reality is there maybe are. They just require more faith. Oftentimes when we experience praying for somebody and then being healed, Maybe, yeah, there's some other medical phenomenon that happened that we don't understand, that we can't explain, but you, someone has an illness, you pray for them, they get healed. It's just like going through all those kind of leaps require way more faith than maybe God actually is real and he's here and he just moved. It's available. It's available. It's available. The supernatural is available. And the supernatural is for everyone. I love this. I love that the first one was with our kids. I love that just this morning we're getting feedback of what's happening with our kids. The supernatural ministry of Jesus is for everyone. 
It's not for people like me or people who have pastor in their job title. It's not for people who feel like their lives are perfectly ordered and they understand the Bible back to front. The supernatural ministry of Jesus is for everyone. From the beginning of this movement called the Vineyard, we have had this expression that in this community, everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. That our Father God time after time, every single day, is saying, hey, do you want to come help me? Do you want to come help me? Do you want to come help me? It's really, really interesting. It's like we get it backwards, right? I don't know any of you have small kids, but anytime I'm doing anything, my boys show up and I'm like, can we help? I'm like, jeepers. Because it's not helpful, right? <laughs> you know, you're trying to like wash the car and they're like, you know, sponge or stone. <laughs> you know, And yet, our Father, God, flips that constantly. Says, would you come help? Yeah, I know you're going to make a mess. Yeah, I know you're not going to get it right all the time, but I'd love you to be with me, and I'd love you to join in in what I'm doing in the world. The power of God is for the people of God. It's supposed to rest upon and flow through us as his people. God's power is not for platforms. It's not restricted to a few professionals or holy men and women. God's power is for everyone. From the youngest to the oldest, everybody gets to play. The supernatural is available. The supernatural is for everyone. And the supernatural is essential. It's essential. We cannot, we cannot occupy the mission and the story of God and the world around us without it. And there are a couple of reasons for that. I'm going to unpack some of them from the scriptures in a second. But one of the ones that's really, really important, you heard me speak about humility last week. And we talked about humility is not thinking less of yourselves or ourselves, but humility is knowing that you have limits. It's knowing your limitations. You know, it's not humble if you're an amazing cook and someone says, hey, that's amazing food for you to say, oh, I just threw that together. That's not humility. Humility says, thanks a lot. I'm terrible at washing the car. Humility is knowing your limits. And it is the engagement in the supernatural that roots the church in humility. You see, when you remove the supernatural ministry of Jesus from among us, what often happens is the church drifts into moral superiority and intellectual arrogance. Where we engage in the world as though we have all the answers and we've got it figured out. And everybody else is making a mess. And we posture ourselves in the opposite way as that of Jesus. But let me tell you, there is nothing more humbling than praying for a miracle and seeing it happen. You know you've just stepped beyond yourself. I know that my physical body, mind, heart, and hands have huge limits, right? When someone presents some kind of illness or disease to me, and I feel a compulsion or an obligation or a responsibility to pray, I know that if they experience healing, that was God and it wasn't me, right? And you see this all through the book of Acts for any of you who are familiar as the apostles go about and some crazy miracles happen and people go, you guys are amazing. And they're like, oh, you don't understand. We're a mess. 
Jesus is amazing. And that was him. It is the engagement and the practice of the supernatural ministry of Jesus that roots us in humility. It's so, so, so important. Matthew 4, as Stu read earlier, let me read this for you. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from the shore, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. People brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. It's amazing beginning the ministry of Jesus. I, I love how in this passage we're really comfortable with the first half and typically don't spend a ton of time on the second half. Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He sees two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. I will send you out to fish for people. I will make you fishers of men. And we talk about it in Sunday school, and we teach little songs about that, and we're all very comfortable with that. This is kind of the point. This is what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to go out and reach people with the gospel. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, and those having seizures and paralyzed, and he healed them. Like, it's kind of alien territory, right? That's kind of hard to explain. A little bit weird for our kids in Sunday school. Fishers of men... Forget about the demon-possessed and the healing and, you know, all that sort of stuff because, well, you know, that's weird. You see this idea, these two things going hand-in-hand throughout the Gospels, if you know what you're looking for, where Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God and then heals the sick, drives out demons, raises the dead, fill-in-the-blank crazy miracles, right? See these connections, kingdom of God, the supernatural. Kingdom of God, the supernatural. Let me just jump into a couple of other texts before we land this. Matthew 9, um, verse 35 says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness illness. And then John 10, starting in verse 5, says this. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you've received. Freely give. Can you imagine being these guys? Like you're, you've been called by Jesus 
And you begin to watch him do things that are blowing your mind. And you begin to wonder, is this the one we've been waiting on? In this context, grandparents and great-grandparents and parents have been telling you the story that one day God's going to send a savior. One day a Messiah is going to come. And now you're following this guy and you're hearing what he's saying and you're watching what he's doing and you're going, is, I think this might be him. I think, I think this is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. Look at what he's doing. And you follow him everywhere. You're like, wow, this is the wildest ride ever. Look at what Jesus is doing. And we get to unpack it with him afterwards and be like, wow, Jesus, that miracle was incredible. How did you do that? Why did you do that? And then one day you get up and you're like, Jesus, what are you doing today? And he says, nothing. Over to you, boys. Wait. What? What? Yeah, it's your turn. Off you go. Go proclaim the kingdom and demonstrate it. Tell the people that the kingdom of God has come near. And then, just in case you need reminded, this is the list of what they're to do. Heal those who are ill. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. And drive out demons. What about that for a job description? See you back here at five. This was always the point. This was always the point. That we would learn how to partner with the ministry of Jesus here on earth. It's very easy and incredibly dangerous for us to just go, well, that was just Jesus, you know. He can do anything. And it's amazing how sometimes we can hear the most incredible explanations for the supernatural ministry of Jesus. I remember sitting in a um, leadership conference one time, and this guy was teaching, and uh, he was trying to explain that the, the supernatural ministry of Jesus really was all about uh, gathering a crowd. That Jesus knew if he did miracles, crowds would come, and then he could explain the gospel to them. Except if you pay attention to the gospels, Jesus most of the time is trying to get away from crowds. He's like, let's get over here, get away from all these crowds. I want to talk to you about something. And then this crowd appeared, and he's like, oh, geez, we should probably help them. What is going on? What is this thing that he does where he proclaims that the kingdom is here, and then he engages in this supernatural activity? What is that? I remember a few years ago, we had an intern from America with us, and we were having dinner, Dana and I and her one night, and she said, Andy, can I ask you a really silly question? And uh, I said, sure, what makes you think it's going to be silly? And she said, well, I've been going to church my whole life. Like, I grew up in church, and I've never been away from church, and now I'm here. And she said, you guys talk about this thing, the kingdom, all the time. And she says, I've, I've never never heard anyone in church use that word before. I don't know what it means. And I said, Alicia, that's not a silly question at all. It's a brilliant question, actually. Because if you pay attention to what Jesus says, and even the beginning and the end of the book of Acts and lots in the New Testament, you see this idea of the kingdom of God stripping with it. But what is it? What is the kingdom of God? Why does Jesus say, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near to you? The kingdom of God has come upon you. What is the kingdom 
of God. Our most, um, we don't have a lot of time left, but our most user-friendly definition, and it has its limits, but it's helpful to get us moving, is this. The kingdom of God is the place where what God wants happens. The kingdom of God is the place where what God wants happens. This is why you see this kind of dance between the proclamation of the presence of the kingdom and the demonstration of its reality. Those two things should never be separated. That whenever Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of God has come near to you, he then says, and watch what that looks like. Sickness, go. Those in bondage, be free. Dead, come alive. It's a demonstration of the desires of God alive on the earth. That is the kingdom of God is, and it is why, church, we must understand that the supernatural ministry of Jesus is essential. Otherwise, all we've got are words. All we've got are words. This is why sometimes for any of you who have journeyed us with us any length of time, you know that awkward moment when James or Hannah or one of our worship leaders starts to sing a song about Jesus' healing being available to us. Usually you find me standing up here going, okay, we're going to have to pray for healing now. Because we're hypocrites otherwise. God, you can do impossible things. We worship you on a Sunday and then we move into our week and we're confronted with the impossible and we shrink back and we sit down and we think, oh no, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what I should do. I don't know how to respond. The supernatural ministry of Jesus is essential because we are the ones who've been entrusted with the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom. The good news that the kingdom of God has come. And we'll unpack that further next Sunday and what that means on, on Easter Sunday. But as we proclaim, as we proclaim that God's kingdom has come upon us, we have an obligation to demonstrate its reality. Otherwise, we just have empty words. I don't want you to feel in any way uh, pressurized or judged but this is an integrity issue for us as the church. Like if we're going to say we worship a God who can do impossible things, then it kind of follows that we should see impossible things. I wonder what this would look like in your life. What would it look like in your tomorrow or your Tuesday? And by the way, the supernatural is not bound in any way, stretch or form, to physical healing. The reason why I'm emphasizing that this morning, we're going to do that in a second, is because it's really easy to measure. It's easy to see. So, come on up. Would you rather sit there? (laughs) You didn't seem that excited. Our job as the people of God is to put flesh and blood and bone on the desires of God in our communities here and now. That's what we're supposed to do. The goodness of God has come. Now let me show it to you. This is what it's supposed to be. It's how it's supposed to look. So, 
if you're able, wow, is that my fault? It's probably my fault, I kicked it over earlier. If you're able, will you stand? Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Come, Holy Spirit. We're just going to take a minute and wait. Father, would you increase your presence and our awareness of you right now? second I'm going to um, just highlight a couple of things and um, if they're uh, happening in, in your body, okay, they're going to be physical issues, pains, that sort of stuff. If they're happening in your body, what would be really helpful for us to do is if you could just wave at me, okay, just, just lift the hand and say, yeah, that's that's me. And um, then we're going to get just get a couple of people. We're not going to do anything weird, okay? So don't 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 worry. Um, we're just going to get a couple of people to put a hand on your shoulder or something like that, and, and to just just pray for you, okay? So if you got an issue, um, I think it's left wrist, but it might be either wrists. If you got an issue with your, it might be a mobility thing, might be a pain thing, might be like a tendon thing. But I think it's left wrist or possibly right wrist. But like if you got an issue in your wrists at all, would you wave at me? Just lift your hand. Emma, anyone else? Jeremy, somebody at the back. Nice and high, so we can see. Anybody else that's using your wrist? Great. Okay, so somebody at the back, there's Jeremy there, and there's Emma here. Just gather around them, a couple of you, just gather around them in a second. Don't pray just yet, I'm going to tell you what to do in, uh, in just a second. Uh, anybody in the room that is suffering from sciatica, or I just had a, like a feeling of like, um, it was like both legs back of both legs issues kind of there might be sciatica could be actually might even just be hamstring issues but uh, anything to do with somebody at the back great um anyone else lee over there regina here um yeah the back yeah up here anyone else Great, so just keep your hands up nice and high, move around the room, we're just going to do this family style, okay guys, um, so keep your hands nice and high, gather around them, cool. And then um, final one, this is going to be hard to check in a minute or two, but um, just a feeling about, um, so as soon as you've got people with you, you can put your hands down, okay? Don't worry about keeping up. As soon as there's some people with you, you can put your hands down. Um, final one was like, a, I just had a sense of maybe like a heart condition, irregular heart rhythms or something to do with hearts. Um, Audrey there. Anyone else? Heart stuff going on? Um, Mel over here. So just move around and put hands on them. Somebody, there's a hand over here. If you guys wouldn't mind. Um, 
Robin, do we go, guys, move over there for me? Thanks, Kirsty. Keep your hands up nice and high until somebody, is somebody right in the back in the middle here. Brilliant. Audrey, have you got somebody with you? Cool. So, in just a second, I'm going to ask the people around you to pray for you, okay? Here's what's really important. Whenever you read about um, this in the Gospels, you don't read long prayers, right? When Jesus saw the disciples are praying for people that have physical stuff going on in their bodies, there's no long wind-up. Usually that's us trying to be like, okay, I'm nearly there, I'm nearly there. God, thank you that you're good. Thank you that you can do things. Thank you that I'm terrified right now. You know, so we don't we don't want long prayers, okay? When I, I'm just going to release you to pray in just a second. And what you're going to do is, just like we read in the Bible, you're going to speak to the condition. So if it's a wrist thing, you're going to say, wrist, be healed, or movement, come back. I love listening to our kids pray for this kind of stuff because it's so simple. One of our kids one time was like, pain, go in the bin. You know, I love that. Really simple, really easy. So um, just speak to the condition, whatever it is. So find out what it is and then just speak to the condition. If you want to sound really spiritual, you might want to say in Jesus' name, but no pressure. That's what we're doing here. Uh, But if you want to sound extra cool, you can throw that in. But we just want you to speak to the condition, command the pain to go or the healing to come or whatever needs to happen to happen and just just speak to it really, really short, okay? We're going to take about 30 seconds to do this and then we're going to check in in a minute. Okay, so go ahead and do that now if you gather around those guys. Just speak to it. No long wind-ups. Some of you are already winding up. Speak to the condition. Command it to be healed. Keep them short, nice and short. Ten seconds. Okay, so here's this is the important part. Uh, so what I want you to do now, those of you who are being prayed for, I want you to check for change, improvement, or healing. Okay, so um, some of you, the, the heart one might be a bit tricky, but uh, the rest of you, try to do something maybe that you couldn't do before. Check it out. Um, you know, whatever that kind of looks like. If it was a wrist that you couldn't move, try and move it or something like that. Take a couple of seconds now. Check it out. And then I want you to... Um, so what we're looking for is change, improvement, or healing, okay? So just wave at me if you've experienced any kind of change, improvement, or healing. Yeah, shout out, what's happened? Nice and loud. Okay, so, so your legs are really stiff, and now they're not stiff. Cool, brilliant. Anyone else? Change, improvement, healing, wave at me. Try it out. Yeah, shout out nice and loud. No pain. You've broken elbow and now you're completely pain free. Did anyone give you drugs while they were praying for you? <laughs> it's brilliant. Okay, cool. Lee, shout out nice and loud. No pain. Pain is completely gone. You were in pain and now you have no pain. Brilliant. Now listen, like I'm aware we've got like more movement than we had before. These guys are pain free. If you were struggling with some of the stuff they're struggling with and you could go to a doctor who could guarantee he could give you something to take all your pain away, Right now in a moment, without giving you any drugs or medicine, you'd be pretty impressed, eh? 
Okay, this is this is what happens when we push into the supernatural ministry of Jesus. He comes and he makes things possible for us that are completely impossible without his presence. A couple of you, I just want to um, just we have a couple of seconds. The rest of you that we were praying for that haven't seen anything, can you guys just gather around? We're just going to pray for 30 seconds more, okay? Just going to pray one more time, and then um, we'll check in, and then I'll have a couple more things to say, and then we're going to worship, and then we'll be done, okay? So, so just do it again. Couple, 30 seconds. Pray with the guys again. 30 seconds. Just, and it's going to sound repetitive. That's okay. Check it out. Check it out. Change, improvement, healing. And just wave at me. Change, improvement, healing. Not a sore. Okay, cool. Anything else? Cool, okay. So here's here's what I want to kind of land with, and we're going to worship just to finish. Um. What we've just done is completely available in lots of other areas of our lives, okay? We do this uh, with physical healing right now because it's much easier to measure, right? So we can say, you were in pain, now you're not in pain, okay? (laughs) Seems like God has done something. But when it comes to your finances, your business, the place that you work, the issues that you're facing in your life, this is available It's for everyone, and it is absolutely essential that we would learn how to move towards the impossible with faith and with courage to see God open up things to us, for us, and for our community that without him would never be possible. And the only way we get to put it to work is tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, whenever you're faced with it for you to go, I'm going to go into my office or whatever it is, and I'm going to speak to that finance problem and command it to be changed. I'm going to speak to that relational issue and command man to be healed. I'm going to actually ask, and this has been throughout our community for the last seven years, I'm going to ask that colleague if they'd mind if I'd prayed for them, you know, and see shoulders like come back to life in the middle of a, an office. Somebody in our uh, community prayed for somebody uh, who couldn't move their shoulder in the office, and uh, the rest of the day, every time they passed the person in the office, <laughs> their colleague just went, <laughs> you know. So we gotta we got to put this, put this to work, okay? I'm going to pray, and the band are going to lead us in the final song, and then we'll be done. Let's pray. Um, Father, thank you that you're among us. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you long to partner with us in what you're doing in the world. And Lord Jesus, we pray as we join in with you that you would be exalted and glorified and that you would draw men and women and children to yourself. Thank you for who you are. We worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray.